Well, hello there. My name is HW. And I'm John. <laughs> do you need to do more claps? No, no. Oh. I'm just gonna edit. You're going to edit this all down. I'm not going to edit this out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to uh, the Tone Juggy Podcast. This is episode... 66. A long time has passed. A long time <laughs> since has passed. episode 65. Um, uh, okay, we were talking about um, copying a pedal mm. into another pedal. You brought up the timeline mm-hmm. and how we had. I remember that night. That was like one of the first. Was it? Was that the second or third maybe gear hang that we ever did? Yeah, and it was. I got my Sir Bella mm-hmm. and my Morgan Dag mm-hmm. 15, mm-hmm. and we plugged in, we went from a Deluxe Memory Man into both of those amps, and the Deluxe Memory Man um, has, does it have stereo outs? I don't think it has a stereo out. It has, no, it has a direct out and an effect there out. There you go, yeah. Yeah, just you a can wet send the re- You can send the repeats to one amp. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And we, I, I don't even remember what we were sending the clean to. Probably the clean was going to the... Uh, the Bella, I guess, and the, uh, the Dag was doing uh, the repeats, and with a chorus on there and everything. And we, uh, I should also say, we had it not quiet. No, it was loud. It was loud, and it sounded. It was one of the best sounds I've ever it heard. Sounded so. All three of us stopped. Yeah, yeah. and we're like, "Oh my goodness, this, this sounds so good! Amazing! It's yeah. so good!" Yeah, and you know, not stereo, just wet and dry. Mm-hmm. But getting the affected sound into another speaker seemed to do a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe just the coloration of that and then being on top of each other and it's swirling around in no, the I room. No, I mean, and... the, the Memory Man did a really special thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, it still does. Yeah. It's still up there. Yeah, it is still there. That's a forever pedal. I remember when they uh, discontinued those. Mm-hmm. And I remember still being able to buy it at Guitar Center, you know, for like. I don't know what it was, 279 or something new or something. It's a, it's a killer deal now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember they said, like, they're, uh, they're, the uh, Electromarch just announced they're going to stop making them. I remember there were three left at the Guitar Center. And I just bought one like six months before there. Mm. And I thought about going and buying them and just waiting and seeing what happened. But I did not. Mm. I let someone else have them. And then they came out with arguably an even better version. Because the very first blue ones Mm -hmm. had the exact same chips and it had a digital tap tempo. Mm. And then they switched the chip in Mm. there and all the subsequent chips. And now those go for a lot of money. Those The very early blue ones with the same chip from the big box. Mm. Because you can store a preset. You can store presets and tap. Because wasn't, wasn't, isn't the big box like AC power or something? Or no, that one has... It does have. It doesn't a, have. In, is it like integrated power? Some of them are. Oh, okay. But uh, in the '90s, they had gone to uh, you know a plug for it. Okay. But it is still 24 volts. Right. So and it's 24 volts and 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 yeah, 24 volts and uh, is it 24? I'm, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. You have to get. So what you need is like a pedal power two that can do 12. Oh, and yeah. you need and two, two of those, of and then you go to a Y cable. Right. So it takes some serious power, and right. it's going to eat up. It's hard to put that thing on a small board right. with like even a pedal power too. Right. It's well, it's, it's hard to put it on a small board in general. It, yeah, it's hard it's to not, just fit it on it's the not small, small board. <laughs> What's funny is that used to be the big pedal like that everyone had on their board. Like if yeah. you like, it was like for people who didn't care about space. Mm-hmm. And then Origin Effects just was like, hold my beer, <laughs> and and decided like we're gonna make the biggest compressors like yeah. so ridiculously large. Yeah. And then they came out with a version of it that's like this big. I mean, it's so it's so practical. Right. And then it's like, what were you doing with that? large version anyway mm. but you know they were like well we're putting a lundahl transformer in it and the boost well i mean you know when pedals were first made it's like they were just using whatever metal boxes they could find that were made in you know for some other purpose they were repurposing right. things right so it was like you know whatever and it know. was it was like oh you had this one pedal that mm-hmm. was it and it was right yeah, because even a deluxe memory man, if you open it up, has a lot of room inside. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of almost. And I wonder if they designed it so that the knobs could be. That's big how enough. the Klon is too, right? Oh, that it's is like ridiculous. it's ridiculous. There's a circuit board this it's big. It's almost funny it. how, yeah. how empty it is inside. <laughs> like... The memory man is it, and just how centralized it all is in the middle. You know what I right. mean? Like uh-huh. it's like it's almost intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, the deluxe memory man. I wonder if some if the part of the idea was you could move the knobs with your feet, and that's why the knobs were left large. Mm. Um, when I was briefly 
uh, thinking that I was going to start a MIDI controller company, mm-hmm. um, I found that it was, yeah, the reason that the thing had to be so big was because you were meant to use it with your feet, mm-hmm. which are terrible. Yeah. Space-wise. Right. You can you can make all kinds of teeny tiny things to work with your hands. Right. But when all you have is a foot, yeah. now all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, my pedals were the same way. It was like a little tiny, mm-hmm. you know, circuit board right. and then a huge enclosure. And a foot in a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not yeah. like, you know, yeah. we're not trying to manipulate anything with our toes or yeah. something, you know. <laughs> exactly. Or those uh, footy, those toe yeah. socks or yeah. Vibram uh, shoes, you know. Oh, yeah. What were we gonna talk about? We were getting sounds about, into the yes. Kemper. So, yeah. so copying we, pedals. So into we the had Kemper. copied. We had sort of taken the timeline, and we got this beautiful sound into the timeline just by a being, you know, these pedals back and forth, the mm-hmm. the, the deluxe Mary Man, and then the timeline, and um, it worked. It sounded great. You used that sound for, for a, a long, long time. time. Yeah, and uh, we're kind of doing that now with the Kemper. Mm-hmm. So. We got a Klon. We copied the Klon. That was so close. Mm-hmm. And there were people going, the bottom end's different. The low, this is different. And I felt like just saying, well, download it and fix it. <laughs> or, or, like, are you going to notice that in a mix? Are you going to even need that in the mix? In like a in a blind sample, there, there's no way. In a, yeah. And Maybe it, you could tell that mm-hmm. they're ever so slightly different, mm-hmm. but I don't think one is more usable than the other. I think they are pretty much identical. Yeah, 100%. And there was even some people on there saying that they preferred the Kemper Klon. Mm. And it was just... Um, so all we were doing is taking the green screen and applying a graphic EQ. Mm-hmm. And just trying to get it right. And and, and and the biggest difference is the Klon has more upper mids. And it doesn't have as much going on at the 500, 600K. The, just those lower mid-range areas, right? Mm. It's got more at 1,000. And I think of like 2,000 is valuable. That's where you'll step on a lot of vocals. And that's where you get to like some clang of a Vox. Sort of the chime of a Vox. Mm-hmm. 1,000 is where that Klon does that honky thing and then lower at like 500 is where the tube screamer really puts in a lot of this full mm. fullness the tube screamer's got a thousand also but it's just got this full lower mids that makes it super mm. you know that thing but we scoop some of that out mm-hmm. threw in a little more one frequency and boom it's mid-rangey in a different way no it's perfect the clon is it was it was like it they th- th- we could have maybe got the low end a little closer Maybe. You don't have all the frequencies in the world on the graphic EQ on the camper. You know, you're usually set to some certain mm-hmm. frequencies. We could have added another EQ and tried to boot, but you know, I don't, you don't want to eat up too many spots. Mm-hmm. But um, that was so close. It was like, we don't need a clone on the camper anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think a real one would be this, mm-hmm. would be this close. Now, we didn't try all the other settings. You know, we just set it kind of where we had the real clon set at sort of the I don't know the classic blues settings I would call it just a boost sure. kind of a thing the gain is like below 12 it's like at maybe 11 o'clock 10 30 somewhere like there and then which on um, the clon is like hardly any gain yeah it's not a lot of gain yeah. yeah not at all um yeah so it turned out great the king of tone a little further away and I found that we could replicate the red uh the high gain or the distortion mode better than we could replicate hmm. the um the overdrive mode because just just because of the saturation and sort of sure. snarliness of mm-hmm. the green screen it's like it's a little aggressive so it made sense that the hard clipping it, it was kind of sounding aggressive mm-hmm. the yellow side we didn't really attempt but i would say we got 85 percent of the way there hmm. and then it begged the question of like okay even if we're not nailing the king of tone exactly like we're not saying there's no reason to buy a king of tone we're not saying save your money get off the king of tone waitlist but if we love the king of tone and we love what it's doing and we're able to replicate something like what it's doing then it's a very usable drive oh, yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think that's the value in 
copying pedals. Like even like what I want to do now is take out the memory man mm-hmm. and sort of get that sound into the Kemper. Yeah. It gives you these parameters to sort of like dial into that you might not just have in your head. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a reference point. That I think that's the most important part about it is that pedals, especially things like a memory man, which are so iconic mm-hmm. and sound so good. There's, there's only three big knobs on the front of it. So there's a bunch of it that is sounding that way mm-hmm. it, that is internal to the pedal that you cannot... Right. There's no setting for. You mm-hmm. can't just see. Right. And so that's what's fun about it is that, you know, on the Kemper, you've got every parameter under the sun to mess with. But, you know, it's like we when we joked about, like, selling Timmy profiles you know what i mean so like timmy settings timmy settings we like you'll never gonna, guess where the we were just gonna sell you the number yeah. that, we, that we pointed <laughs> and, it's, and the, the reason that's funny is because it's mm-hmm. a pedal it's it's got three knobs yeah. on it and there's only so many positions you can put them in mm-hmm. you know put everything angled to the right and that's the sound mm-hmm. right but with the kemper you don't have that you know what i mean there's like so many different things you can do and so it's really mm-hmm. good to have something that you know sounds like a sounds very unique unto itself, mm-hmm. but also sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And then just replicate that. Try to get that sound. You know, it's funny you say that about the knobs like being there, because it reminds me at first I shied away from Helix presets and and um a lot of people they listen to the podcast they know that I hired Shelly and I and what, what Shelly's going to be doing. But one of the reasons I needed some help was I really want to do more with the Helix. Mm. And I really want to do with more with IRs and stuff. But it's difficult getting all these amps, profiling them, trying to film a bunch of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tomfoolery mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, calling it work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I at first was like, why are people so into these helix settings we're just turning knobs all the Mm. sounds are in there Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i'm on timmy it's like well how loud do you want it how dirty do you want it right how bright do you want it actually on the timmy it's how much how much bass do you want to take away and how much yeah yeah. you know high end (laughs) do you want to take away right but when you multiply that times 100 150 Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like there's I there's 450 parameters I could be touching. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a compressor with five parameters. Mm-hmm. There's an amp with 20 parameters. There's a cab with 20 parameters. You know what I mean? And and quickly it's like, oh my gosh, no, where do I put? It explodes into infinite inf- infinite options. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have a uh, if you don't have a, a map to get to a particular yeah. sound, yeah. If you don't have a you know something that you're trying to achieve that you can switch back and forth to it's good to have a reference point it's something yeah. i've run into with profiling too is like lately i've been on this thing hashtag profile the world you know i'm mm. going to profile every amp in existence so good. not every individual amp but every every circuit every, every model. Amp model out there yeah. yeah but what's interesting about that wait is till that... you guys hear the spider profiles we're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> What what's so good about that though is it actually I felt like has freed up my thinking mm. to recognize that like well this is a deluxe type circuit and it does this thing and I don't need it to do everything else mm. and so if it doesn't stay clean very long fine mm-hmm. if it sounds a little explodey and raspy fine mm-hmm. and you know we just did there's a closer look video that just went up on the YouTube channel. And um, Susan and I talked about like that, where it was like, okay, sometimes you have these normal profiles and there's a normal channel on amps mm. and like, what's it for? Mm. And I've really learned what they're for by touching a lot of amps. Whereas I used to try to, in the profiles, get more out of it. Mm-hmm. And now I just look at it like, this is useful for a thing. Mm. So let's just try to do that thing. And there's a couple clips in that demo, and I talk about it a little in the Closer Look video, where it's like, these normal channel things, like, I'm not even going to show you what it sounds like with Les Paul on the neck, because it's too muddy, it's too dark, it's not very bright, 
but man on a telly on the bridge and then on a strat it just really sounds full mm-hmm. and even on the bridge of like my prs less polished thing like my ted mccarty it's like i describe it as like that guitar <laughs> don't hurt yourself yeah there's lost a tooth uh no i didn't <laughs> that guitar has a um I had I ate one of those Ferrero Rocher things and I had this like <laughs> hazelnut. Uh, anyway, that guitar on the bridge, on a cleaner amp, it always going to sound aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I always liken it to like when the amp is is on the thinner side, a humbucker on the bridge is going to sound like a snarling cat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to have this sort of like kind of sound like this you know like it's going to sound angry but it doesn't sound but when you then get a normal channel of like a deluxe like a tweed deluxe or a smaller amp and you really crank it and you get all this low mid-range and it Mm. cuts the bass a little bit all of a sudden it sounds like the roar of a lion you know what I mean same pickup but it's just what is that thing doing and then and you lose some of the presence on the high end but that's okay no I mean that's like uh that's like Joe Bonamassa's tone, right? So much. It's like a smallish Fender amp on full blast with a Les Paul. And it sounds glorious. Yeah. Right? But if you try to do it at a low volume, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work. It's an interesting like um lead sound if you think about it. Like mm-hmm. what do we do with our leads? We always grab a pedal that cuts bass and boosts the mids, mm-hmm. right? But then like a Marshall on 10 still has a ton of bass tons right and tons of high end and this is like kind of what we want but not really there like we like the gain and the Mm -hmm. the compression and we like the sustain and everything but we take a pedal it cuts off the low end adds mid-range and we say that's great tweed amps do that thing like small tweed amps are very compressed, mm-hmm. so they have a lot of sustain. They have tons of mid-range, right? Low and high mids. They cut off the bass, especially in like a 110, 112 combo. You're not going to get a ton of low-end bass. So much so that the Edge actually uses them almost like pedals. Mm. He has switches on his Bradshaw rig where he's using the AC30s by him themselves, set to that AC30, chimey, crunchy kind of thing. So some breakup. When he wants more overdrive, he hits a button and it adds in Tweed Deluxes uh, with the AC30 sound. Interesting. And then he takes that away when he wants it back to just the AC30, which is for him like a little bit of the wow. cleaner kind of streets have no name sound. Right. And But to add those things in, right? Talk about stacking. Talk about stacking. <laughs> the guy's stacking amps. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Stacking amps and then running them in parallel and stuff. And it's yeah. like... It's it's actually a really good use for what those sounds are because you're cramming in all this mid-range that is going to be heard. We should profile that. In the Can you profile? You could do you could profile that. We in the edgy tweed pack, we okay. did some with the AC30. Oh. But it wasn't a vintage AC30, it was the 90s reissue AC30. Right. He uses that, like those what would are, be like Those are crap. Yeah, those are crap. <laughs> okay, so I have Stu's AC30. Which is the best AC30. I would say the best AC30 ever that I've heard. It's I would actually say I'll go on record yeah, saying yeah. that's the best amp I've ever heard. On 10. Like when we had it super mm-hmm, cranked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that was the the most pleasing amp, super, super loud, super overdriven sound I've heard ever. I would go on. Yeah, it sound that amp to me. What I love about the Deluxe Memory Man is it has enough corks and stuff. It feels like a vintage thing mm-hmm. in the way that amp does. Mm. Like it's clearly not designed to be versatile. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. but it just does this thing, and that thing is super musical, and that's mm-hmm. what it's for. Mm-hmm. And um, see, oh man, I'm, I'm I'm starting to think about all these things like. What's crazy about that AC30 is that, and this is why the Kemper is so awesome, is because if you try to use that AC30 as a pedal platform, it doesn't it doesn't go over well, mm-hmm. right? Agreed. Because all it really wants to do is be at almost full blast. Mm-hmm. That's when it sounds 
so good, mm-hmm. but it's so unbelievably loud mm-hmm. at that point that it's there's almost no setting in which it's appropriate to be that loud unless you are the edge, right? Yeah. And so, or playing on a stage or whatever, mm-hmm. like you, you'd have neighbors calling you, your family would be pissed off. Like, and that's, what's great about the Kempers. We can capture that, that tone. I mean, obviously you still don't get all of the other stuff that comes along with yeah. super, yeah. super loud amp in the room mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. but it's, that's, what's great about the Kemper is that we can capture that kind of stuff. I would go on record as to say running pedals into a lot of amps that we run pedals into doesn't make much sense. <laughs> like I would in most of the time say an AC 30 is not a good pedal platform. No. And a lot of people would disagree with that because sure. they use it for that and it has great cleans, but it's not a good pedal platform because it doesn't matter what you do. You can never get a pedal to like tighten up the bass and be like a full, like it'll never sound like that thing. I, I would also say like something like a twin or even a deluxe reverb, always has so much of its own character. There's a reason if you watch Pete Thorne's channel, when he, so a lot of times now he uses the PT amp and stuff, but um, his earliest demos, he there was one video where he talked about all my pedal demos, here is how I run my, my basement. And he has a 60s basement mm. that he ran the pedals into, and he sets it super flat. And by flat, I mean it's not very bright. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just sort of like meh sounding. Mm. And then he would have, and the pedals would sound awesome. Mm-hmm. He would get the Carl Martin plexi tone, and then he would play like... Um, no, it sounds like a Marshall. Yeah. All of a sudden, even if he'd play Van Halen, it would yeah. just be awesome, right? Yeah. But then it's like, well, that's great. And that, honestly, that sounds awesome. But how do I go from when my amp sounds good to then turning that pedal on? <laughs> I bought the Carl Martin plexi tone. It was unusable to me. <laughs> but then I, and then later I figured out why it sounded so great in the Pete Thorne demo. And it was like, because if you apply it like, all I have is this basement, but I want it to sound like a plexi, mm-hmm. then it turns your amp into a plexi. Sure. But if you treat it like, I love the sound of this basement, I want to play the basement, and then I want to be able to kick this thing on and have it sound like a plexi, right. it never works. Right. It almost never works. I know we say we like the way it works and stuff, but... No, that doesn't mean it doesn't sound... That doesn't mean you can't find good, usable tones. Yeah, and I'm, I guess I'm talking specifically about amp-in-a-box pedals. Right. I'm not talking about clons, KOTs, like right. all these things. Those are... Circuits. No, there, that, there's in order to to get an amp in a box to really be like that amp, you have to have a a starting point that may may or may not be usable. Probably uh-huh. is not usable because what you're throwing at it right. is so specific, right? Pete Thorne says in some videos, I leave the my amp at a neutral setting so that I let the pedal give me the high end. Right. Nobody sets their amp up that way. It's how so many, de- like those demos have sold so many pedals right. and nothing against, against Pete. I'm, I, I, that might even be the best way to set it up if you're recording something. Mm-hmm. But, but I'll just speak as a Sunday morning guy. Mm-hmm. We always set it up so our amp sounds good clean and then we want to add things on top of it. Mm. So w- we never do it the other way. Maybe that's why my, that, maybe that's why my pedal board sounded so good. Because I left the majestic pedal on, on all, the all the time, and I just EQ'd the amp mm-hmm. around it, mm-hmm. you know. And then I would stack other stuff into that because yeah. I always wanted, you know, I had a bass breaker forty five, and it was super loud and all of this. Mm-hmm. But I wanted like a little bit of dirt and like grit underneath it. And what's really cool about the majestic is that it, it almost is like a, um, it's like a tube screamer where you can. There's like clean coming through, yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. like dirt underneath it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how that was. And then I would stack the KOT in front of it and it sounded great. But you have to EQ the amp to the pedal, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And and then that means the amp's not usable by itself. Right. Which is fine. Yeah. You just have to have it set up that way. Right. But sometimes I look at, you know, all these pedal boards and, you know, there's amp in a box pedal and stuff. And and I just think like, well, there's... you can't, you can't make your matchless not sound like that. Right. Like it, it, the high end always sounds like that. It right. never stops sounding like that. Right. And then you run into pedals like like the stuff that, um, uh, what's the company? 
uh, they have that great compressor that I've been meaning to get that video Origin up effects. on. No. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, you know. Nope. They do the um, the gold and the uh, iron and chime, Petty John. Oh. And they have some boxes that are just like, this thing's so powerful, it'll make your amp sound like a twin. Mm. And all of a sudden, it adds all this presence into the end. It's like, sure. whoa, well, that is what a twin, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, in the room, right. you know. But... No, the, look, there's definitely... Uh, there's There are exceptions to this rule. I think there are some pedals mm-hmm. that have so many knobs on them <laughs> that you can get your amp to do all kinds of things that it wasn't designed for. Mm-hmm. But... At that point, why are you using that amp, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's what's really cool to me about profiling so many amps, profiling the world, is being able to hear all of these different amps. And yeah, maybe a lot of them do sound similar in like certain settings or whatever. We get comments about that. It's like, oh yeah, you know, that light overdrive sound, that's like yeah. Tone Junkie's thing. It's like, it's not our thing. This is just what the amps sound yeah, like. Somebody said to me, how many how many AC30 amps are you guys going to profile? And my reply would be, how many AC30 amps are people going to buy? <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't create this world. It's it's yeah. it's 60 years later and we're still trying to nail the AC30 right, sound. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. And, and yet we have a 62 AC30 that sounds better than everything. So. Right, exactly. So it's like... <laughs> but that's what's cool about it is that, you know, there there are so many different amps mm-hmm. and they all do a thing. And, and I feel like what most people, most people's situation is I have this amp and it's really expensive to go try a thousand different amps mm-hmm. and build a pedal board around an amp, right? So I'm just going to try to get whatever other sound. And that's yeah. where, that's where the Kemper comes in because then you can... You know, mm-hmm. we started this podcast talking about getting pedal tones yeah, into yeah. the Kemper. But I'll make one more wild claim. Yeah. I'll say this. Because I have a Mesa Triple Crown on the way. Oh, yes. And I'm really excited about that amp. So I've got a couple great Me amps too. lined up that you're going to really going to like. Okay. Upstairs right now is a Marshall DSL. Meh. I had a DSL. A lot of people really like that amp. I think because a lot of people have owned that amp. Mm. Because it's a cheaper amp now. I mean, in comparison to all the other, you know, a Plexi or something. Right. If you can't afford a Plexi or a JCM 800, you're going to deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people have owned that amp. I think the Red Channel has some cool lead sound and stuff. Anyway, it's an amp. I've got a Mesa Stiletto, Ooh. which I'm excited about. Stiletto Trident, so the three-channel one, which goes up to 150 watts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it's then like, it's the, like the uh, what is it the rocker verb two hundred or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's like, jeez, right. man. Then the um, <laughs> we've got the um, the triple crown is on its way, mm. and there's some things floating around. There's a PRS super sweet uh, sweet sixteen that's coming out, and then there's a Reeves amp, a Reeves custom twelve, mm. which is uh, kind of British sounding. I'm gonna okay. Here's my take on hot take. Hot take Tuesday on Mesa amps, right? This is not going to be out on a Tuesday, but hot take. Um, the Kemper profiles sound closer to the things they're profiling than Mesa amps attempt to sound to their inspirations on those different channel settings. Meaning, mm. if someone were to tell me that they think the tweed setting on any Mesa, on the on the Mark V, on the Triple Crown, whatever, sounds more like a Tweed than the Kemper profiles of a Tweed amp. Right. I would. I would. I no, don't. They, they lost they're, it. They're they're not. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this thing that exists. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And th- so there's this remember thing... when we profiled the Mark V? Yeah. It was like this is not. This is not what a Tweed sounds this like. Is, this this is, is like. This you know. is something. I mean, look, maybe the circuit. It doesn't sound bad. No, it doesn't sound bad, but it's like maybe the circuit is slightly inspired by mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a tweed circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We changed but, the negative feedback. We added some more mid range. But, but this is not what a tweed does no. at all. 
And then the cleans. I feel like there's this American clean sound that belongs to Mesa amps, which does not sound like Fender amps. Mm -hmm. It is a, an overly tight, mm -hmm. sort of at times sterile, I would say, on the on the uh, rectifiers. It's a oh, sterile yeah. clean. Um, on I the Lone used a Star, rectifier for a long time. Yeah. It's like ear-piercingly clean. Yeah. It's crazy. Even on the Mark V, it's good, but a lot of people say the Triple Crown does better at the lower gain stuff and the bluesy stuff going up into the mm. other gain range, which is a lot of people like the Triple Crown for that reason. Mm. And then um, probably the Lone Star at this point is is classically heralded as the, the Mesa with the best cleans in terms of the you know that does all sorts of stuff but now they've got some like other things yeah the lone star is great yeah. they've got some other ones out that i want to profile too don't they have like a california clean now they or do something? they have one called california california tweed i think yeah california. and then they've got something else called the uh, i don't remember the fillmore fillmore and the california tweed uh, or something is that right i can't remember right. anyway there's there's a couple of answers but I, it, the plan is to do those as well but yeah, we do this thing with tube amps mm -hmm. where we pretend that like, like this is guitar thinking and doesn't make much sense. Tubes are better, period. I want the sound of lots of amps. So mm. it must be that I can get that if I get a tube amp that is supposed to sound like lots of amps, that's the best thing I could get. Mm. And I would just oh, say, I see what you're saying and I would just say, while those amps sound good, if you really want a a a, a, a basement tweed mm -hmm. and a deluxe, a blackface deluxe reverb and an AC, and an AC thirty sound and a Marshall something, mm -hmm. you're never gonna get closer than with digital. You'll just never build an amp. I mean, unless you built sure. an amp that's like four amps in one, right? And but it, he, but in look, one he, box, right? Even then, I, I think this is... We've made this comment before, too. All of the... You know, after profiling however many amps we have... Mm -hmm. after, S all close of, to 70, probably. All of the, like, AC30-ish amps who are like inspired by ac 30s mm -hmm. sound more like their own group than an actual ac 30 right all right. of those amps sound right. fairly similar to each other right but none of them do what an ac 30 does it's the banana candy effect it's so weird yeah right and so i totally see what you're saying and i, and I think that you know fender and you know Companies that have been around, Fender, Vox, Marshall, these companies have been making amps for a long time. Mm -hmm. We have to stop thinking about every other amp in terms of one of those amps. Right, right, right. Right? right. A Mesa does its own thing, mm -hmm. right? A Hughes & Kettner does its own thing. Mm -hmm. We need to stop saying like, oh, Channel 2 is like a Marshall and Channel mm -hmm, 3 is mm -hmm. like a Rectifier. and Chan yeah. It's like... No, a Hughes and Kettner sounds like a Hughes and Kettner. Right. A Marshall sounds like a Marshall. Yeah. And a Triple Crown sounds like a Triple Crown. Yeah. There's there's no way around it. Yeah. You know. You're the, right. Because there's different tubes, there's different speakers, different cabinets, mm -hmm. different cabinet sizes. If you mm -hmm. if you get into IRs at all, you yeah. understand how big of a deal cabinet size, speaker size, mm -hmm. speaker distance, speaker angle. There's mm -hmm. so many different variables. Yeah. It's crazy. And one thing I would point out is like there are different tubes, but there's not enough different tubes that it makes sense that that... I guess my kids are home. <laughs> but there's... There, <laughs> They're literally screaming. It's like monkeys. There's not enough different tubes that it makes sense that amps would sound so different. So it must not be the tubes. Right. Right? Like, yeah. everything uses 12AX7s, except for some Vox's, Matchless, <laughs> Bad Cats that use an EF86. Right. And they all are just doing that because one Vox did it. And and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, who is it like... Uh, Robert Kingsley? Robert Kingsley? Kingsley pedals? Yeah, I forget his first name. But yeah, not Ben Kingsley. No. Anyway, the guy who makes Kingsley pedals, yeah. he's on some video saying, you know, tubes sound really, really good. So that's why I put tubes in my pedals. And he's not wrong. Yeah. They have a particular sound. They do a thing to compression. Yeah. That, you know, up until now 
Actually, no, including now yeah. is difficult to replicate yeah. digitally. Yeah. Besides actually just capturing imp- capturing the responses like the Kemper does. Because the Kemper is not modeling this yeah. stuff. It's capturing what it's already doing. I think he says it on that pedal show. And it's funny how he, he, he phrases it, if memory serves me correctly, like, you know, we want all of these. We want pedals to do these things like break up and add compression and 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 sag. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we want pedals to do this thing. And tubes do them in such a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to use tubes and pedals. Right. Right. It, and And... That's true. My question to most people would be this. What do you really want out of a setup? Mm -hmm. And because what it seems like we go after a lot of times is a level of versatility and options that may not make a lot of sense for a tube amp. Or you have to start going with a four channel, three channel thing. And and you run into these compromises and stuff. and And so that's where I just go like... Guitar players' thinking as a whole is sort of stuck. The, the The premises are stopping us from getting to the real solution, which is like tubes are wonderful at what they're doing, but if they can be measured and if we know what they're going to do, then we can simulate them. There's nothing we can't understand mm-hmm. about frequencies, about whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So the old like argument of like, only twos can create this type of e- the even order harmonics. Well, that was only true when we were comparing them to diodes, you know. Right. And that's true, but when you're comparing, because uh, I guess to uh, uh, some type of diode or a, or a, uh, a transistor, you know, I get I, then yeah, I guess maybe those can't create even order harmonics. Right. I don't I don't know much about that, but I know that. Um, I know that if you put the tweed setting of a Mark V in front of me, I'll tell you that doesn't sound <laughs> like not, a tweed. Right, it doesn't yeah, sound and, like a tweed. Again, not to say it sounds bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you're asking yourself the honest question, how do I get four different sounds available at my feet? Mm-hmm. Like pedals could work, mm-hmm. but would would something work better? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Would something yeah. work better? That's really, that's really the question. Right. Probably not. You can take the keys. Don't worry. (laughs) Where's my keys? I think he's moving your car. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, there's a basketball hoop now. Oh, right. They're playing basketball. Uh My kid's got a basketball hoop. That's the latest development at the Sullivan house. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Dude, I totally, totally agree. I think that, and this was uh, really apparent when we had the... um, the J-Mod amp in here, who makes mm-hmm. that? PRS? PRS. It's like, so, it's such an expensive amp. and It's, it's sound- like five grand, I think, new or something. And it sounds so good mm-hmm. if you want to plug a Strat into it and play a John Mayer tune. Mm-hmm. It does that. That's yeah. it. Yeah. If you try to do anything else, it's mm-hmm. like it sounds like this is what it would sound like if John Mayer played this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. No, the lead channel that had like two settings, I thought right. were like... And, you know... And you go back to, uh, you know, Marshall stuff, right? And it's like, I always think of Jimi Hendrix and I think Marshall because I always think of him mm-hmm. and this thing. And it's like, he only did that. He wasn't trying to also do country and trying to also do whatever else, right? Hard rock or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the digital is really the only way that you're going to get a true, you know, versatility thing. Now, I'm sure that has tons of room for argument right but the point is if you are looking for a unit that you can plug your guitar into that will do awesome cleans and do particular cleans and do these particular types Mm of semi breakup things and and whatever else i think a kemper a kemper Kemper is going to be the only way to do it because like you said if you if you're gonna buy a Mark V because it has a tweed setting mm-hmm. and it has a crunch setting and it has a whatever else, it's like yeah you're gonna get Mesa's yeah and version of those things. You're not gonna get those things. Right, right. And I'll just say it's all it's it's the whole bunch. It's Kemper. It's Helix. It's Axe. If the question is what are you like optimizing for, hmm. a lot of people want the Helix ease of use editor or the Axe 
they want to build everything mm. on their computer without touching the device and then they want to pick it up and play it mm. and that if that's you the axe or the helix is is you know what i mean yeah if you want to sit down and go i wish i had this rig the helix editor but, is pretty nice to use yeah the axe rig is really nice too i mean it's just it's all drag and drop stuff you know mm. the axe is um it's probably my favorite editor of all time because you just have this grid and you can put things wherever you want and then connect them in any order you want. Mm. So it doesn't, you know, you don't have to follow a line. Mm. Um, you know, you can kind of, you can I watched your the review. And go, oh, the new, the newest ax unit to ax three. Yeah. Crazy town. I'm going to get one. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Why not? Why not? Cause why not? Yeah. At this point. Yeah. I know a couple of <laughs> people who, you know, really swear by the ax and, I think every unit is at the point where... It has an insane amount of DSP. It does. Crazy. It does. And it doesn't sound way different than the last unit, which... <laughs> so it, it tells me... I think it can do more. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what they... It can do double things. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just but, doubled down on getting more yeah. sounds at once. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And But that just tells me how not difficult it is to replicate these things to the point that no one can tell the difference mm. and i mean look some people might hear that and go like this guy doesn't know anything about you know the feel isn't there and stuff and i would just say who's making the claim that they sound exactly like a tube amp mm -hmm. after mics and everything anyway mm. you know what i mean we're all just we're all just so not hendrix and we're so not uh, anybody else. We're so not Joe Perry. We're so not Jimmy Page. Mm -hmm. We're so not those guys. And our play, that, we're, that we're not playing that music. We're not playing in that environment. Mm -hmm. It would make sense that we would find a better solution. We have to cover music on a Sunday morning, you and I. Mm -hmm. We don't author that music. Mm -hmm. The music changes between artists who may or may not have opinions about chorus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They may or may not uh, believe that a guitar should be dry and rocking or mm -hmm. so wet you can't tell if it's a keyboard or not. So we have to have something that emulates and can emulate and is really designed for versatility. It's true. And like, you know, the, uh, the pioneers of rock music were just playing whatever they could get their hands on because they had no money. Mm -hmm. and this was all that was available. I think of a lot like how much Hendrix would have ruined his legacy had he stayed alive. And that's a weird <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say, but the thing is, is that if you, like, if you watch any interviews with him, he was not a purist. Mm -hmm. Like, he had come up in uh, what was... R&B music, mm. you know, and he had played, he, I think he had played with Little Richard or something, you know, it was early gigs he had. And you can find footage of him in a tux with, you know, like sort of a, uh, just, you know, sure. sort of a dapper look, you know, just playing in a band. Back right. And Paying so, the bills. Right, right. <laughs> but by the time he was Hendrix, you know, um, he was, we view it as, as, it's funny, we view someone who was being, who, who was treating the past tones and the past, like, and what a guitar was, treating it with, with almost disrespect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the attitude was like, um, like, I'm here to like burn this place down. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and he was quoted at one point as saying like, I, I have exhausted the, uh, like sonic, uh, uh, nature of the guitar or something like he had done everything he was trying to do everything and he had done everything he could mm. and there was so little available there's no way that had he not lived that he wouldn't have gone through the 70s and 80s and used everything that came out right he might have been i look at a guy like her like like Rush, like you know, like Alex Lifeson, like Rush did, yeah, in the eighty, in the yeah. in the late seventies and eighties, yeah. they put out music that it, no one listens to. Yeah, <laughs> Pat Metheny is a guy <laughs> who jazz guitar player who in the eighties got a hold of like the very first Roland 
like pickup unit on a guitar that could make your guitar sound like a saxophone. Right. Right. And now he has to go on eBay and buy all those 16 pin connectors that nobody makes anymore to keep his rig going because he's made the lo-fi 80 saxophone sound like part of his thing. Oh yeah. Right. And so like, but he, he went there. Yes. No one was fooled. No one was like this Pat Metheny record. Pat doesn't play the guitar anymore. He plays a saxophone. No, it, it sounds like whatever those units sounded like. It doesn't sound, but he just went there. Mm -hmm. I, I think Hendrix would have ended up like Herbie Hancock. Where if you, and if nobody believes me, go Google image Herbie Hancock. And there's all these horrific images of Herbie being way too old, still doing the 70s funk thing. But he's like an old man by that time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's in the 80s doing the funk thing. He's got like neon cowboy boots and like a mesh shirt and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and it's just like, here was a guy who was a jazz legend, but when things went progressive, he went there, he went funky. He started playing keytars. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he wasn't afraid of doing that. And then it's like, so it's like, there's these eras. There would be eras of Hendrix mm. that we, we would be looking at him very differently in his career now. <laughs> we would not view it as this revolutionary yeah. who, who broke, who burned the house down and then and then was gone, right? right? And then, and because then we, it, it made him, it, 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 it made him freeze in time. Oh yeah. And it meant that that was Hendrix, and to respect that thing meant mm. you had to do that gear and do that thing. Mm. And I think that's the misconception. I mean, that's there, there's tons of examples of that, right? Like Fleetwood Mac is an example of that mm-hmm. almost, right? Or it's like that. That group of people in that setting only existed for a short amount of time mm-hmm. before it just dissolved. And even mm-hmm. though most of them are still alive, right? right if not right, all of them, right? They don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even if they did, it doesn't sound like that anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like it, it's really easy to say um, that Hendrix knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. but to your point, he didn't. He was just doing. What he thought. He set a guitar on fire while yeah. it was plugged in. <laughs> it's like he wasn't after good tone. No. <laughs> he wasn't. No. He had a long, long cable because he liked what it did to the sound. Right. The coily one. Yeah. Yeah. And now we all act like that's so genius. It's just trial and error. Right. I'm not saying that like he's not a genius. No. I'm just saying that he, there was no uh, amount of, uh, uh, the pr- pretentiousness about mm. it mm. it was like i turn this amp on 10 because we're outside and it's loud <laughs> and that's what i do and that's what we do right you know and um and that's what pas like expect you know what i mean like pas supplement the sound you know what i mean mm. and and it was appropriate to have a full stack and then i have this long coily cable to make it a little darker um mm-hmm Things have changed. Yeah. Things have drastically changed. He had never said the word true bypass. <laughs> you know what I mean? He never he never was like, is that a monster cable? Right. You know? Right. He didn't ask about um op amp chips. No. Or whatever. He just he had a wah. And he had a fuzz face. And he was like, and, Oh, and, if I turn this down, something think, happens. If you think about it too, it's like those were the only pedals out. That's he had it. both of them. Yeah, right, 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 right. So it's like imagine what he would have had, right, in the in the late eighties or whatever. He had right? a Mutron, he a, had uh, one of those phaser things, those Mutron yeah. pedals. He used that, and then a Leslie um, rotary sure. speaker. He used. Um, that's your whole point. He was using everything available. Yeah. Right. I mean, he wasn't like a R- Leslie rotary speaker. We never used that. But you'd think with the way. People view guitars like, you know. Just, I, th- I think the point is people now mm-hmm. are much more aggressive about what Hendrix sounds like than Jimi Hendrix ever was. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in some ways, uh, everything he did was, was just happenstance. That was what's that was there yeah. was there was limited options. Had someone given him something else, the music would have been different. Right. Had someone made a different thing, the music would have been different. And the music did get different, and he did use some things into the seventies 
Like, uh, and that's why there's a couple different versions of that fuzz face and they talk about, mm. here's the later seventies, Jimmy tone, the early seventies, Jimmy tone. And then here's the Woodstock ones. And you know, mm-hmm. I feel a bit the same way about Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, I just put a Photoshop of Stevie Ray Vaughan with a Kemper in the background <laughs> and it's a total joke, right? I mean, it's a joke. You, you don't think he really had one? <laughs> What's funny to me is to watch people's reaction, and everyone gets a joke. But a cup, but like when I put the Les Paul one up, it was Les Paul and Mary Ford at like a photo shoot, and they're standing in front of a jukebox with their guitars, right? With Kempers on the top, and I put a Kemper on the top, you know. And someone was like, "I usually like satire, but I don't know how I feel about this." As if, as if thought, Les Paul is some <laughs> sacred thing. Do you know that Les Paul? Like, here's a good example. Les Paul is so not a purist that he invents the humbucker. Mm-hmm. He invents sound on sound recording. Actually, he didn't really invent the humbucker. He invents sound on sound recording. He invents a pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they end up giving him, he, he has a, his first thing is P90s. Um, I guess Seth Lover comes along and, and I think invents the, the, the humbucker. Anyway, he gets mad at Gibson in 61 because they change his guitar to a guitar he doesn't like the sg the sg not because he's a purist because later he convinces them to make him the guitar he really wants which you can go look it up it's called the les paul recording model no one wants that guitar it has never (laughs) once become popular it has active pickups and all these doodad switches and stuff on Mm. it why because Les wasn't drinking his own Kool-Aid. He, the guitar was named after him. Hmm. It's named after him because he said, guys, what if we made a guitar solid? That was it. That was his whole thing. Here's a solid guitar, and he had he put wings on the side of it. And then and then Gibson made him a Les Paul guitar and said, we'll make the whole thing solid. But he came up with this solid body electric. It was a plank of wood with pickups in the middle. Boom. And then that was it. It was like, what is that? It's a, guys, I put a solid thing in the middle. Look, I put on wings so you can see. And the wings were the sides of an archtop guitar. He put those on to make it look traditional like an archtop because mm-hmm. all of them were hollow. They were these big hollow jazz boxes. Right. He made the center thing in the middle and said, look, you could put pickups on this and this is the way to do it because now the pickups can be different and we can, okay. He, he later in the seventies, like, in, I don't even know if it was the seventy. my thing was like 71, 72 gets this Les Paul recording guitar. That is sacrilege. Mm-hmm. Okay. The pickups are turned like a telly and they're single coils and they're active, all this stuff. The guy later now that I hope no one takes offense to this later at Les Paul's club when he's like 90 or something, he's still playing guitar, but his fingers, he's having a lot of trouble with his fingers, right? He can't do the vibrato like he used to do, mm-hmm. right? He, so he actually starts using a Boss VB2 in latch mode. And as he's playing, when he hits a note, he steps on the Boss VB2 to get the vibrato sound so out. So good. And he played for years that's at his best, club. That's the best fact I've heard all day. It's <laughs> All week. It's He wasn't so uptight that it was like i'm not going to play the guitar anymore i don't he just he used what was at his disposal i feel like so many innovators are like that and i'll say this about stevie ray vaughn stevie ray vaughn used what was in front of him also Mm -hmm. um he yes he used super reverbs he had a dumble he had several dumbles he had all this stuff Yes, he used 13s, mm-hmm. and that's going to affect the sound. And it's in the, and someone said, it's in the hands, man. You can't get the sound anyway, right? I'm just saying this. Is Stevie Ray Vaughan did the type of music that was revolutionary for that moment in time. Mm-hmm. There was a resurgence of blues, and he took blues to a place that was like this emotional aggressive texas blues rock Mm -hmm. that now exists as a type of music that didn't exist before Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he took in the 90s he took hendrix and made it his own Mm -hmm. and when he plays like voodoo child and stuff it is as much his song as jimmy's totally and that is remarkable and he did texas flood and it's there it it I, arguably, he is the from the blues resurgence of the '90s. His music is the one that that lasts the test of time. There's other guys who, of course, have great stuff. 
um, Robert Cray, uh, Clapton had a bunch of great stuff from that era, but even Clapton started going pop and everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he went to some other, you know, uh, tears in heaven, which obviously was uh, from his, from his son's death and everything. So he had some, but the point is Eric Johnson came out of that, like with iconic music, Mm -hmm. SRV stands head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah. You know? And a lot of those guys still make their living doing SRV covers at like the anniversary tour, you know, at, at like commemorative events. Sure. But the guy was just, he took a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't feel his fingers anymore. Right. He often would cut his fingers up. Mm-hmm. He was just existing in that time place had some tube screamers fuzz was channeling the hendrix thing right but caesar diaz was modifying all his stuff and howard alexander dumble was modifying all his amps so he had one guy modifying a bunch of his pedals get treble boosters tube screamers modifying all his stuff his fuzz faces everything Mm. and then he had a guy building him his amps i want more this more this more this he was not he was not saying, well, Jimmy didn't need that. Right. Yeah. Well, Jimmy didn't do it that way. Right. If it wasn't good, you know what I mean? Mm. So it just leaves me with this thing of like. Look, there's two kinds of people. Yeah. There's there's the kind of people who want to push the envelope. There's the kind of people who want to sit and tinker and see what's capable. Mm-hmm. And they enjoy it. And then there's some people that want to put on a record and want to hear it the way it sounded Mm -hmm. 50 years ago. Yeah. And that needs to be okay. Yeah. And and, and I think that we'll all have a better time mm -hmm. if everyone can just agree to disagree. Right. Right? Right. But, you know, that's just how it is. And, And I've said to you before... One of the reasons I love profiling amps is because I get to hear all these amps. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? I love amps. Yeah. It's so fun to hear tube amps at full volume, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that that to me is part of the experience. And being able to use the sound afterward is a bonus, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we need to get it out of our heads that a lot of these, you know... Um, iconic people cared that much about their tone. Yeah. Cared that much about having that specific tone. Jimi Hendrix did not, Jimi Hendrix did not hear that tone in his head and try to achieve it his whole life. He fell into it Mm -hmm. and probably would have moved on had he lived longer. Yeah. Right. Yep. And we need to stop protecting it like it's, something Mm -hmm. and by the way it's not that hard to get go get a marshall and turn it up that's jimmy (laughs) you know plug a strat into it with a big coily cable right and there you go right that's it you can hear it today right like right it's just you know what's more disrespectful is playing his music bad i think (laughs) we never say that right what's more disrespectful is like you love this guy so much and you can't play (laughs) right like that's the real that's the real thing is like you would never disrespect like his memory, right? Right, except when you pick the guitar up and like, like you know, <laughs> hammer through, like you know, um, uh, Hey Joe or something. It just is all out of tune and stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know what we've solved, but oh, um, nothing. But I certainly feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've given uh, some people some things to be mad at us about. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are either more or less angry on the treadmill now than when they started their workout. <laughs> or they're on a plane or something. I don't know. People listen to this podcast in weird, weird places. I get I get um I get messages from people like, you know, I listen to you while I'm mowing my lawn. And I'm like, Yeah, cool. I, wow, I didn't yeah. I should say something about lawn we should, mowing. We should have an award for the most interesting one. Hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. Right. I'm going to go post that after this. What's the mo? Where do you listen to the Tone Junkie podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Send send it in. Yeah. I like that. Maybe they should they should win a mention on the podcast. Or, or some profiles. Yeah. They should win a spot 
here on the podcast. All they have to do is fly to Nashville. Mm -mm. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. (laughs) Um, Well, this has been good. We can can wrap this up here. Sounds good. Wow, that was like an hour. Hey, man. I think we solved something, though. Probably. I've got to profile some amps. What are you doing? I need to call him. Play the drums? No, it's too late for that. Mm. My family will be home when I get home. Well, um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of you on the podcast. Is that right? Super excited about it. I think uh, we've I think made it, it a we've we've put it on the calendar. We were going to make it a regular thing. It's a regular thing now. Yeah, we're going to tackle the uh, the problems of the world, including homelessness in Los Angeles. Oh man, don't get me started. <laughs> it's got, I actually want to talk about that because. Um, <laughs> Because California this is... This is how podcasts last two hours, by Yeah, the way. it is. We're going to get into this another... California, I believe right now, is trying to destroy its civilization and its state. No, they're not trying to. Well, they are. They're they are, succeeding. They're succeeding. In. And I actually... This is a hot take. Another hot take in the, another one, the podcast. Take. I actually don't think... I think that the Donald Trump effect on California is that the people in California have been so busy for the past several years talking about how terrible Donald Trump is. Now, I'm not saying anything about Donald Trump, whether I agree, disagree, whatever. I disagree with a lot. Border stuff. Anyway, the treatment of people at the border, mostly. But I think the effect on... There's a hot take. There's a hot take. Within a hot take. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that it has so many people focused on national news that most Californians are not paying attention to what... People, what their government is doing in the state mm-hmm. because the last two years are insane. Mm-hmm. They now have, they're calling them instead, like some places have snow days. Mm-hmm. They're going to just have wind days where the power goes out. Do you know that 700,000 households, the power was turned off in California because of wind? Not because there was anything wrong with the power grid, because of wind, because PG&E said another fire could start. And what no one's talking about on the news is that they don't tell you how long it's being turned off for. Some people were without power for about 72 hours, some people for 48, some people for 24. And PG&E says, whenever conditions get to this level, we're going to cut power until we can rebuild all this infrastructure. And the reason they're doing this is that they there's some legality right now about their responsibility in the last year's fires Hmm. and part of it is they have to they can't have any more fires right now during this process of being bailed out or something i need to go do some research but we'll bring this back to the podcast but my dad was explaining to me he was like read this article this explains why what's going on and it was talking about the legality of where they've ended up with not taking responsibility but the state basically saying fine you don't have you're not responsible for the damage but if there's another fire while we're hammering this out you are responsible which has PG&E then going, well, then we're turning off power right. when the wind goes up. And it's like, what are we thinking? Now, here's what's crazy. No one is talking about, like my family business has a warehouse in Fairfield, California. Mm-hmm. They turned off power. And when they turned off power, they said it could be off for as much as five days. Now, it was out for two and a half days. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about the economic impact. Yeah. To Your business had to shut down for two and a half days. Sure. And, and right now, it's just, who cares? It hits some business. And California doesn't care about businesses. Yeah. yeah that's but, not new. But how many times do you do that? I'm guessing two times. I'm guessing the next time it happens, businesses have a policy in place that says, if there's no power... To the business, mm-hmm. you don't have hours and you don't get paid because right. we're not paying you if we can't produce anything. Right. So then you cut power for three days, four days. How many people are you? I mean, we've all heard those nationwide statistics. People are a $500 bill away from being homeless. How many people don't have any money? Right. Sure. It's like, 
that's very true in a lot of parts of California, you know. Mm-hmm. The news media is saying nothing about it. Mm-hmm. It's just this this strange sort of proactive, like, it's so great that we're doing, you know, these are precautionary measures in California. You know, we have to adapt and adjust and stick together. There's a, and, there's a uh, thing that happens. We don't have electricity. There, there's, <laughs> there's, a thing, there's a thing that happens with um, any sort of political or public decision-making mm-hmm. where eventually... On a long enough time scale, mm-hmm. the decisions always tend trend toward safer. Right. Above everything else. We should get into this more. And safer does not mean better always. No, it doesn't. But that's the way it always trends. We are and you can you can look at it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always trending towards safer, which yeah let's get into this um let's end this podcast we'll 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 maybe next time next time (laughs) all right i've been hw i'm john also was this 66 that was 66 this was 66 thank you so much for listening to tone junkie podcast this podcast has been brought to you by the tone junkie loaded kemper available exclusively at british audio now you can get a free Tone Junkie Everything Pack with all versions of the Kemper. What? What? Yes, that's right. It's the best deal in the Kemperverse, and uh, you can uh, you can find it. Just Google British Tone Junkie Loaded Kemper, or head over to the British Audio website, and uh, you can find it there. All sounds right, good. sounds H- good. Sounds good. H W. Okay. No. H <laughs> W. John two out. See ya. <laughs>